talk to a kid. confident going into this game against Molda, really amped up about what the team has got the potential to do this season, you know, over the over the course of that transition phase from Wenger through Emery to Mikael, we always felt like just the spirit needed to change, right, once the energy changed, we could go into games and we could have a different type of belief, and now the energy is just different, you know, looking at Mikael post-match press conference, even the conversation is going on across the board from the timeline to the newspaper publications, all the way across the board to like the news when you're hearing some coverage of the game, it's like, hey, more positive outlook, people aren't being as skeptic as you would be before about Arsenal going into a game like this, knowing we're still in a COVID, right, we're still in that stage of because there's no fans, anything truly can happen in games like these, so... Now is truly one of those things where we can be confident that our team has nowhere to hide. You know, where before in the past we could literally make excuses about stuff like this. Like, yo, they're not good enough. We know they're not good enough. They're not motivated enough. We maybe don't have the right manager in place. We don't have the right players. We didn't get so-and-so in the transfer window. Whatever the case is, now it's not there. You know, we can't make excuses anymore. There's literally nowhere to hide. And, and, a, great, and a great opportunity for us to showcase who we are now. After that Manchester United game, it's this Molder fixture at home, right? Knowing coming up against a team that is a pretty decent team, you know, when you look at the fixture on paper, even for us, you know, as a platform, we thought, okay, probably Vienna would be our toughest fixture in this group, then Molder, then Dundalk, right? And then now as we look at it, Molder is the group decider. You know, so Arsenal are facing Molder at Emirates Stadium tonight, 10 o'clock kickoff Central African time. And both teams are tied at six points, you know. So going into it, we just literally ahead on goal difference, and we have an opportunity to maybe push it, push it in our favor, and take the group in our hands, you know. Because we're coming up against a team where recent form in all competitions, they've done well, one six on the trot. You know, we've been a bit shaky, picked up those two wins on the bounce recently, but we had losses in there, you know, to go with the the other wins. So we're saying, okay, Arsenal need to pick up their performances. Most important when it comes to consistency now, you know, there's literally apart from the Leicester game, you could say maybe the City game, the Liverpool game went on book if maybe we could have got a point instead of dropping all three points. Citrus Parables is a perfect season so far, you know, with what we had to work with going into the season. So us being in ninth place from our season, having just started off 12 points, not so bad. Mulder in, in the Norwegian league now a second and, I mean, the league has gone there. There's 16 points behind Bordeaux Glimt after 23 games played. Did pretty well throughout the season. Maybe not as good as they would have wanted to do being 16 points back in a 
earning the league, but I mean, with seven games leg, with seven games left, rather that season is gone. You know, so Molde are probably going to throw everything they have into this, and realizing that they've been undefeated in this in this European run is probably telling in that regard that they're putting all the eggs into this basket, basket rather saying. We'll go for it, you know. We'll go for it because this is the chance to win something. At the very least, get into the later stages of this competition, knowing some teams may not take it as seriously this season, you know, being a COVID-induced Europa League. Some teams may not take it seriously. We saw it in other leagues like basketball where some teams didn't take it as seriously who were highly regarded the competition. And then, you know, it opens up for other teams to maybe get a run at getting into the final that maybe didn't have a look at the start of the season. So going into it, man, like, this is the first time we faced Malda in our history. we undefeated in any ties against Norwegian clubs. You know, we played 4-1-3, drawn one, rather. And, I mean, our last game against a Norwegian team was the maybe the other Norwegian team that we do recognize as Arsenal fans is Rosenberg, you know. And we beat them 5-1. So thinking about that, saying if we beat Rosenberg 5-1 and 0-4 in the Champions League, and that was the last time we played a Norwegian team, it's been a while since we've come up against a team from Norway, yet we have pedigree against these sides, right? We can go into it convincingly. And that Rosenberg game for me was one of those things we're doing the research, looking at it was probably the... The, the goal scorers and the team sheet in that game are telling of the type of squad we probably will see in today's game, where you had guys like Reyes, Henri, Cesc, Pires, and RVP on the score sheet, right? And you're thinking, in, in where they are at that time in 2004, some of those guys are coming out of their peak, some of those guys are coming into their peak, you know, and one or two of those guys are maybe in their peak at that time. It's telling that, you know, that okay, we were respecting these oppositions, even though we're playing them in the Champions League, yes, it's a different competition, yet we put them away. And we need to start to see those type of performances now when we come into these fixtures, regardless of who's playing, whether it's young players on the cusp of being in the first team, whether it's experienced players who are maybe on the fringes of the first team or first team players who are maybe in need of match preparation and match fitness and match sharpness, then they're taking this game seriously, right? Because this is Molder's first game against English opposition, right? And for Norwegian sides, it's been a tough one because in literally away from home, they ain't won none. You know, 22 games that Norwegian sides have come to English opposition and haven't won, drawn twice and lost 20, you know, conceded 100 goals, goal difference of minus 87, literally only scored 13 goals in 22 games. So you can see what type of, of, of fixture this is because of the gulf in quality normally between the two leagues, yet... If you don't put them away, they won't go away. You know what I'm saying? Because Danish, I mean, Norwegian football, rather I say Danish football because they've been improving as well. But Norwegian football has been improving a while, a lot in the last four or five years, right? Where you're starting to see players come out of that system that you can start to see how these ones are being developed for the modern game of football. They're being developed for the world they're going to inherit. They will be potentially good players down the line. You're seeing guys like Odegaard, guys like Haaland. we got George Lewis as well. We're getting There's a lot more potential guys coming out of Norway, right? And so... This type of result maybe might not be possible long term where there's going to be a turn in the tide eventually. I just don't want it to be us first, you know, because with Arsenal, sometimes we get the first of those things, right? The first of the thing that man don't want, right? So, about maybe like that, that can fall to another team, but for us, we good. Like we said, Mulder undefeated in their last six Europa League games, won four away games, drawing the one and only losing one, right? And you think about it, if they've beaten Celtic, who are Scottish champions, they've beaten Dundalk who are, you know, a very good team in the Northern Ireland leagues, right? You're thinking, they're going to be due eventually one of these Danish teams for the other part of it. I'm going to, see, I'm going to keep saying Danish in this episode. One of these Norwegian teams, one of these Norwegian teams are going to be due for a win, right? And when you're thinking about it, is they're throwing all their eggs into this game for the Europa League. We're going to have to take it seriously. You know, we're going to have to take it seriously knowing that we're up against a team that 
traditionally is good or over the past decade has been good you know it's always it's always former team for those who don't know right and when Ole was there there's times when Ole built them up into a good team one then he left went to Cardiff they won without him when he came back they didn't do so well he went to United they winning without him or rather they won without him now they're going into that dip you know where with all his former United you don't wish a man no 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 loss in any regard but he's probably going to lose that job and you always know that Molder job is always available for him and they probably do need him at a stage like this so for us it's, we're going to have to beat them now before Ole is in charge of them by the time the return leg comes at the end of November you know what I'm saying so it's like it's just one of those where the energies are different for this game we can't take them as lightly as maybe we took a VN as lightly as we took a Dundalk where yes we played some random first team guys and the younger players who came into the squad did perform well yeah there's going to be nowhere to hide no more bros we're literally going to have to put in the type of performance that says, hey, we want to win this competition and we have it within us to win this competition, right? And it was something that Miguel was alluding to saying, you know, when you look at our squad and you look at the fact that we have to play every three, four days, it's feasible to think we can rotate players and contain or, or rather maintain a level of consistency and a level of competitiveness that keeps us at a... At an, at an elite level for the season because we have Mandam there where even if it's guys that we used to look at uh, a few seasons back as you aren't levels now they're looking like levels under Mikel right so if Mandam are starting to improve and starting to play like quality players and then we have some younger players who are starting to improve and starting to look like what they may be and we have elite players who are coming into the squad then it's feasible to think yeah we have a team we can play in the league and we have a team we can play in the cup and, you know one of the guys who are interviewing or rather asking questions in the pre-match you know press conference with Mikel asked it that way and I think maybe Mikel may have been rubbed off a little bit the wrong way about it thinking it's not two sides necessarily but it's the ability to play two type of teams you know where it's it's interchangeable there's a lot of guys there are a lot of guys who are going to play in today's Europa League team who could easily walk into the Premier League team if they were performing at a high enough level or somebody in the first team wasn't of the level that they are at right now. When you're looking at guys like Joe Willock, he should feasibly be in the first team, but El Nene and Partey have been doing so well, then you still have Ceballos and Xhaka ahead of him. You look at a guy like Ainsley Maitland Niles, who might start at left wing back, should be starting, he's an English international, but Saka does so well there. And then you still have Tierney there. So you're like, oh, there's competition for places, then you can't play on the right because Hector's there and Suarez has started to play well there. You're like, oh, damn, Eddie should be getting a run or Balogun should be getting a run in this game. But you're thinking, Laka has scored a couple goals this season. He put in a great performance against United. He deserves a run out, especially knowing that he's not going to get called up for France. So he's going to get a chance to rest and maybe even a chance to get maybe more closer towards himself and meditate a bit more and just be more composed when it comes to his finishing over that two-week period where he can train a bit more and just stay locked away from the game and just focus on his game that he will come back a better player and you want his confidence to be up going into that. And guys like Eddie, guys like Balugan, you always know I can get an opportunity down the line. And if anything, I want to preserve a Lacazette's value. So there's a lot going on there where you realize a lot of these young players could be getting more regular minutes in the first team. And they're not getting them right now because of whatever reason. This is the squad we have to work with. Yet we're still getting these results, right? Like we said, literally our three losses this season, only one of those losses is a game where if you looked at it at the start of the season, you said, okay, we shouldn't lose that. City, Liverpool, it's okay to take a loss in those games in this stage that we are in right now. Down the line, it won't be okay to take losses like we did in those games yet. We took them now to get to be able to win those games down the line. Then you sit and look at it, right? See, our upcoming fixtures, especially once you get the international breakout, are all, like from now until the international break and even after it, the games in there where it's either a winnable game, a must-win game, or a game we simply can't lose in the case of Tottenham. Where you sit and say, okay, now it's accountability time. 
Because if we have to do a tally of it, we can sit there and easily say, oh, Mandem can take away close to 20 points of the next 30 available points. And even if you're dropping 10, as a 10, we can see, okay, here there were some draws there, then one or two losses, fine. But you're still competitive. You're not all the way off the pace. We're out of 30 points. You're taking a maximum of 15. Now you're taking 20, 25. That's closer to what is championship, what is elite, what is competitive level. That's closer to what is Arsenal level, right? So games like these are going to be telling, you know. And it was even hard to just think of, like, okay, what type of squad are we going to play in this game? Because we know the type of squad you say, okay... Villa on Sunday, we have to play a first team. They've been doing pretty well and they, their defense is tight. So we're going to have to at least rest our attacking line guys to make sure that we have a well-rested attack that can go for, for long periods in that game. Lord forbid it goes in late into the second half where we still haven't got a goal like we've done in some games recently. We're going to need that spirit, that energy to be there, right? Creativity is a function of your mind and your mentality as well. It's not just about the physical. It's about your mind thinking of, of room, of spaces, of things to try and do when you're emotionally, physically fatigued or the, when, you know, when you're mentally fatigue it's hard to do the things physically that your body can let you do but you just can't even think right now you can't send those messages to the other parts of your body so it's one of those things where that's what i think is going to be going through Mikael's mind when it comes to team selection for this game a certain mandem you'd want to risk certain mandem you're thinking is it worth the risk certain light thickies you're thinking i can play you in this game but in the same breath as um quality of performance can i can i guarantee it luckily there are those who i feel can be rewarded because of what they did in the last game and what they've been trying to do in the other games before that, that maybe they didn't get as many opportunities or as many minutes or just even as many looks on the field. Because sometimes some of these young players can play a full 60 minutes of game football and when you look at the tail of the tape, you're like, you didn't get chances to be impactful. That's why during the game and live game time, I didn't see you do anything. So it's easy for me to just say, after one viewing, you're not good enough. And when I sit back and I watch it through and I'm watching the tape, I'm like, hmm. Okay, there you should have got the ball. And if you receive the ball in that space instead of that space where you ended up getting the ball, you're probably more impactful than there. It's about the team learning each other. You know, people were talking about that. Like, it literally took them a week for them to learn that when Partey wants the ball in a tight space, it's probably your best outlet pass because he's already drawn the markers to him. All he knows how to do is literally draw these markers to him, release the ball, and then he moves forward from there. So he's better receiving the ball in a tight space than in an open space. But because they grew up playing with Shaka for the past three, four seasons, where you don't want to give him the ball in a tight space. So it was a thing of, okay, you have to deprogram yourself and learn how this player now wants this or needs this or, or, or should have this played for them. So it's one of those things where the guys are just learning each other now still. And it's dope to see that there's a trust within the team as a result of this growth process where in a game like this, I was thinking, damn, it would be nice to see Gabriel and Partey start because they've earned the trust of the team. And I also feel it would be great to see how those other players who were there all this time got to react to that. When you see Gabriel and Partey being treated the way they've been, not just by the fans and the team, but by the actual players in the dressing room. When you see the level of respect these mandem have only having been here for a couple of weeks, you start to realize, oh, okay, there's a way then to start to comport yourself. There's a way to, to play. And it's, it's going to be an effusive thing to see because there's a lot more accountability within the squad already. We spoke about how guys like Suarez are starting to be more accountable. Where say that you know he's one moment away from a clang of a performance, yet somehow he hasn't delivered one of those. You know what I'm saying? Mustafi, aside from the... One mistake I felt he made against Leicester, he's been basically solid since, you know, Mikel has gotten him to turn around a new leaf, right? Even guys who you know are good and sometimes don't always apply themselves and have a turn and then come back like Ainsley, Ainsley, he's still there, he's still trying, he's still pushing. It's 
it's good to see, man. It's very positive to see because that effusive energy, as we always talk about, is it's it's feeding into the fan base. You know what I'm saying? It's flowing into it's flowing into everything that has to do with the club. And that only bodes well for the future because stuff like holding coming back from injury as quickly as it did only happens in a positive dressing room, right? There's no player that's rushing to come back from injury knowing if I come back and we lose the game because of me, y'all are going to be on my ass. Nah, now we know, bro, like there's accountability from Mandem. If anything, they see you come back from injury early and they're like, yo, Mandem, like you are out for a while, you come back, you play, you know what I'm saying, full game, uh, credit to you, respect to you, right? So it's, there's a little bit more of accountability within that team. There's a lot more responsibility and maturity. And it's like that Kim song at the start of the show, right? It's like there's literally nowhere to hide no more for Mandem, right? It's like now it's performance time, show and tell, do the right thing, you know? So, yeah, I would guess the lineup for this for this game is literally going to be a little bit of a crazy one because I'm thinking tactically we might even get the one point wrong for the formation, right? Because I personally would go with a 4-2-3-1 in this game thinking give yourself more dynamism in midfield. Yet, Mikel being Mikel, knowing that this is probably our toughest test in 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 this group stage, he's probably going to go with the 3-4-3, if anything, because it gives us that stability in midfield, right? Where our left fullback tucks into the midfield, our left channel becomes so much of a threat that opposition teams find it hard to deal with this formation. And in truth, in truth, it literally is one of those, you know. So before we get into that, let's just discuss the team news. Um, David Luiz and his thigh contusion was listed as doubtful, but uh, Miguel said he was back in training, so he's had a couple training sessions with the guys. I think he'll probably get a start in this game, and then once the game is sealed, they'll take him off, knowing that you don't need to start him against Aston Villa. Because Rob Holders is fit. You know what I'm saying? Holdinho is fit. You still have Gabriel Yavtini. And I like that back line because that feels like our first team back line going forward. Especially if we're playing three at the back, right? Then Luis is a backup with Kodri. Then we're okay then in that, in that, in that centre-back position for now, right? Just on that note, you know, me and Mikel fielded questions about William Saliba. And then Mandam said, nah, they're asking us, you know, Saliba say he's fed up with his situation at Arsenal. How do you feel? It's like, I'm also fed up, <laughs> And that cracked me up personally because I think that that encapsulates our reaction and our feeling as fans as well. We're also kind of fed up with the situation, right? It could have been managed better. And I, I like the fact that his transparency is one of the things I truly admire about Mikel Arteta. In that interview, in that question, you heard his full transparency. We say, we tried to handle the situation better as it pertains to loaning him out the first time after we bought him, praying he'd have a full year you know, at Sanity and to develop. That didn't happen for the guy. Cool. Since it didn't happen for the young player, when we brought him back, we said, let's try loan him out. We tried that. It fell through in the last couple of days, of the, in the, literally the last few minutes of the transfer window, right? This past transfer window. It fell through. So now, what more can we do as a club but wait it out for six months? Or rather, not even six months, three months at the time. Now it's about a month away. It's January now. You know what I'm saying? So you'll be able to move him on loan if you have to. Or you'll probably move some of the other guys, like Kshkodran Mustafi, whatever the case is. Then you can register Saliba because Miguel does lose to the fact that, okay, cool. Yes, if we had registered him, knowing or without knowledge of the injury crisis we'd have, we probably should know that we'll have an injury crisis in some position at some point because we are Arsenal. If he's registered, yes, he would have played some minutes in the last two, three games, which would have been brilliant for his career because there'll be no pressure minutes where we as a fan base will even say there's no one else to play there if the kid's not ready at least he's going to be battle tested in this regard because playing under 23 minutes can or under 23 games can only do but so much for his development right so i get it in the sense i love the fact that it was had in that 
okay, the player's unhappy. I like the fact that he's unhappy that he's not playing. I like the fact that the manager's not happy, that the player's not happy, and also the, the fans aren't happy because both parties are unhappy. That shows, again, that there's nowhere to hide no more. You have to stick by these decisions, you know? Even him, whose name will not mention, <laughs> there's one of those where we're going to have to deal with it. Where in January, if you don't move him on, then you have to re-register him for the squad because we've seen we need creativity in midfield. And he's showing at the very least, even if it's just his public demeanor, that he wants to make this thing work, that he wants to be at Arsenal, that he loves the football club. Even if he just loves us because we're paying him and he wants to be here until the end of his contract, let's make it do what he do. And I like those things. The Gwendouzi situation, I like those things. So it's like, credit to Mikel for that, that transparency, man. More of it because I wish more people in life were that way, where we can be transparent about what's really going on with us, you know. That allows everybody to know how to comport themselves around you and make the world you know, more feasible or more, or more welcoming to you, a better environment for you in that regard, right? So, yeah, shout out. It's one of those, man. You know how you always get it. When Havery was home, it's going to be a life lesson, too. So, <laughs> Callum Chambers is also still doubtful. Um, for me, I think Callum may be on the bench if we don't want to risk a Gabriel or a Bellerin because he's been back in training. And it's one of those things where the last game maybe just came a bit too early for him. And it's like a guy like Emil Smith-Rowe, you know, where they, they're in contention now, you know, they're in their bouts, and it just makes our team a lot stronger because I'm a big fan of Kaelin Chambers personally. I know I'm not, there's not going to be many in the world. It's probably like, I know the last meeting we had, there were about two of us. So <laughs> it's one of those things. I'm a huge fan of Kaelin Chambers because of his versatility, knowing that he can slide into a defensive midfield position, play a bit of minutes at right centre-back, play a right wing-back, right back, right full-back, whatever the case may be, and still be a very jovial part jovial member of the squad or you know what i'm saying he's got that about him where solid solid young man and i wish him i wish him all the best and that his injuries can you know be a thing of the past so he can start to build a career for himself even if lord forbid it's away from arsenal i just want him to see have a career and make a go of it you know because there's a lot more there's a lot more than we've seen him show you know and it's just one of those things you always want for people to show the best of themselves regardless of what the limitations may be pablo marie is still out with his anchor injury uh, it's probably one of those things where we might only see him towards December, start of December. It will be dope to have him back because at least Kieran Tierney can go to left back and then we can even start to explore situations where we play a back four because we know we've got covered left centre back that doesn't involve playing Kieran Tierney there or playing David Luiz there necessarily, allowing David Luiz to be a right centre back. Gabriel Marie as our left centre as a left centre backs and then we can develop from there, you know. Martinelli still out, and that's one player we would love to see. He's back in light training, so shout out to him. He had a knee injury, and it's just again one of those players where on that left side, bro, that's our that's our player of the future. You know what I'm saying? That's our future talisman in so many ways. He, you know, Bukayo Saka, Ainsley, Emil Smith Rowe, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. All these young guys are part of our future. Joe Willock, Reese Nelson, Aiden Ketia, Fuller in Bolugan. You know what I'm saying? We've got a lot of young players that form part of our core going forward. That you want to see them get these games, you know, and for. For Martinelli to have got the injury when he was in such peak form and not getting a chance to get some of these minutes in the past couple of games, in the past couple of months, it's tough for me personally knowing that he could have added a lot of the goals we still need in the squad, a lot of the creativity we still need in the squad. But now that he's back in light training, you know, we can start to see a lot more of that samba sauce, you know, because we have a lot more of that flair in our squad. Who would have thunk it, bro? Like, we're looking at an Arsenal squad potentially going forward that has two Brazilian kids under the age of 23. Like... You know what I'm saying? Like, shout out to the Invisible War. Y'all should check out Gilberto Silva's podcast. Like, that's the only other Brazilian I got excited, excited about in our midfield, bro, in our team as a whole. Like, I like Danielson personally. Never got to see enough of it. 
you know, <laughs> for whatever reason, we never got to see enough of it. So to have this, man, it's a different feeling to have this to have this culture within our squad, bro. It's it's dope, you know. Being the Arsenal that we are, the Arsenal I fell in love with was a very attacking, a very a very a very theatric Arsenal. You know, there was a lot of pageantry and there was a lot of glamour and glitz and there was a lot of artism and craftsmanship into what we do. And I I love seeing that returning into it. There was a time we got so laborious, bro. It was so laboured in everything we do. There was nothing there was nothing that was Arsman like and what we were doing, you know. Even when we were trying to play a couple parts, it feels like we we're forcing players who want culture to be culture. I'm like, you can't force this, you know. There's a conversation we we're having just earlier today saying, you know, you can train you can train some of these things like like passing a ball. I can't train you to have the spirit to want to share the sport. You know what I'm saying? I can't I can't train you to have the drive to say you must know that this pass must be accurate because this one accurate pass may lead to 26 other accurate passes that lead to a goal. So take pride in your one pass, even if it's just a pass from the back. I can't teach you those things. You know what I'm saying? You have to have that within you. Then I can teach you the technique to pass. Like, hey, you can pass it like this or like that or into that space and bypass these other three passes and then you have more options down the line, right? Just giving more wherewithal for the mandem to be able to have. It's, it's important. So it's just one of those things where I love I love the fact that a lot of these young players, even though some of them may not have the quote-unquote natural ability, they have that within them to learn. Martinelli is not the most skillful Brazilian kid you'll ever see, but he scores a lot of goals, he creates a lot of chances, and he brings a lot of joy on that field. And some of them kids can be skillful for days, some of them fail to do just that. Where you, I watched Robinho for years, I'm like, where's your joy? You're a joyful player, where's your joy? You know, Where's your drive? Where's your determination? Where's your pride? And it's some of those things where when you're seeing this in some of these young players, you're like, I love seeing that and more to you. We pray for you and we pray with you, you know. And yeah, man, no suspensions or injuries going into this game for Arsenal, which is dope and beautiful. I mean, injuries aside from the ones we mentioned, no new ones, you know, because you know how it goes with us, you know. Sometimes you just freaking get injuries at a time of the season when we really can't afford these, coach. So yeah, grateful for that. Guess the lineup for this game. <laughs> like we said, it's going to be a tough one, man. It's one of the ones where if you can see my nose, man, like freaking scratches all over. Like I have no confidence in what my predicted lineup is because I'm caught in two worlds. I know what I would do. I know what I think Mikael should do. And I know what Mikael's finna do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like a lot to a lot to juxtapose and a lot to deal with. So it's like, all right, let's just go for it, man. We got Runa Runason in goal, continuing on from the performance against Vian, or rather Dundalk, where I feel he was solid against Vian. We had Leno. Leno did make a mistake, and I think it was good to to make that transition now instead of being forced to after another Leno mistake to say let's this is our Europa League goalkeeper because then rather you make a mistake and we draw the game or lose the game, but now we know what's going on with our second string goalkeeper, you know. So Runa Runason in goal, I'm confident in. His distribution, like I always say, part of me. And the super team. Throw it feeling kind of part. So, like, yeah, with Runa Rulson, I feel very confident in what he offers us as a ball-playing goalkeeper. You know, and the distribution is something we can't sleep on because now against teams like Molder, who are a good football team, but they won't want to let... They won't want to let themselves be too open against us, so they will sit on the more lower block, allowing us to press them higher, which means... He's going to be playing sweeper-keeper again. And that's brilliant for him because it allows him to grow in confidence and also showcase some intangible skills that Eleno doesn't have, you know, and that because Runison has them, he can showcase that, you know, in certain games, Gaffer, you may need me to do this, where in certain games it won't be about shot-saving ability, it won't be about anything else, but 
can you help my high line? Can you help the team create more chances with your attacking play as a goalkeeper? And that's one of those where I think Runa, that's one of his strengths and he needs to just double down on that. So it's the perfect game to do that knowing one, two, three good passes can lead to a goal or two for us. And then we'll start to see the difference in that, you know, a good transition, get the ball from a corner, play it out on the break, you know, with the opposition pressing us high once we have a goal or two. And then he breaks it all open or with a, with a long ball over the top. Those type of things, bro, oh, they, they unlock so much because also give opposition teams something else to think about. Where eventually it's like, okay, Leno may be suspect in making errors, but this Runison kid, he gives us headaches when it comes to even having to defend Arsenal. What would we rather have? Because now when we have Leno, we try to attack them a lot. When they have Runison, we think he's suspect, but then he catches us off guard. Like, it's, it's dope, you know? Just options, again, like we say in life, man, it's better to have options than to have none, right? I think Shkodran Mustafi will start this game where... <laughs> It's funny to say that for me, man. Like, man, for me to say, man, like Mustafi gonna start game, and I'm confident in saying I'm okay with man like Mustafi starting game. It shows us just how far we've come under Mikel Arteta's, bro. Like Mikel Arteta's has changed even some of our minds as fans about people who we grew up watching for years on end and saying you're never gonna be levels, bro. <laughs> and now after like 11 months under Arteta's, man like Mustafi looks like a guy who rightfully should have a couple caps for Germany because you are actually a decent player, you know? So a game like this is a chance for him to solidify his reputation in regards to him being a player that is now trusted to be the fourth, fifth centre-back in our club, at least until Jan. And then he can move on knowing that if you're a team in the Premier League, bro, and you've seen men like Mustafi and you've seen some of these teams concede the goals they have, like you... You can't do worse than a man like Mustafi, bro. Like, you can't have too much pride. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can even go back to Everton there where he came from. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's been at Everton and they could use a centre-back like that who's decorated, who's got a bit of a presence about him and if anything has something to prove. And they're building a pretty good squad where under Ancelotti can only keep growing. So, shout-out to man like Mustafi. Credit to him. I hope he gets some money coming in for him this January because we can use that. He's rejected a new contract, apparently, and he gets to negotiate with a new team in Jan, right? So rather it's a conversation with the team has already agreed terms with him, say to the team, you know what, let's agree a fee and y'all take him now. You know, y'all take him now and then we can use that. We can use those funds, free up those wages in that position to register, you know what I'm saying, Salibas. And then let's take it from there. Davi Lu is another player who's not going to be here maybe long term in the squad, but is a player we're going to need in a game like this. You know, coming back from injury in this transition phase where I don't think Gabriel settles in, settles in as easily as he's done if you don't have a David Lewis in the in the dressing room. And it's, been, it's done wonders for us because David Lewis has been a a transition player for us since he's come in, right? And even his, his bad performances have been good for our transition because they reminded us of who we used to be, who we are not. And they've also allowed us to see glimpses of who we may be in his better performances. And now in acquiring a, a, a Gabriel, we've now fully seen who we are and who we may be in that regard. So David Lewis should start this game because it's a transition type of game, right? We can't play too many of our first team guys. You can't play holders coming back from injury. You can't play Gabriel because too many games in a row. He's probably, if Brazil are going to be playing this international break he's gonna get called up because he's been solid Kieran Tierney he's gonna get called up for national team so you probably want to rest him for this one which brings us to the left center back position saying man like Stejad Kolasniac another guy who Mikel has revolutionized you know what I'm saying in this time Mikel has literally taken some players and added a couple more years to their career like honestly speaking you know, people talk about that in certain sports. Like, you know, these coaches will come in and say, guys, I'm going to get a couple of you guys paid because 
I'm going to play you in a system that's going to allow you to get the best out of you. And you're going to be in the shop window and people will see your quality. City has now shown he can play a left centre back position. And he's shown that there's a bit more defensively about him than we used to see when he was playing left back, right? That a team can feel free paying him in the summer or at least signing him now for a minimum fee of three, four million, knowing we know what we get there. Five million for Serco and last night, you know what you get there, and then we can get those wages off our books as well, reinvest that money within other parts of our squad, you know. Because the 5M for Seya, the 5M for, for Mustafi, we're making headway towards being able to, you know, get some funds for Wusemo you know what I'm saying? So that's what it is, man. So Sayad, we're praying for a solid performance at the very least, even if he just gives us that six of his, that's cool, bro, because he's been... He's been decent, you know. He's been he hasn't been great, hasn't been good, but he's been decent, and it's only added more value to his value, you know. And that's all it is. We just Miguel has just added value to value, even when there was no value. We appreciate that. Cedric Suarez is one of those as well. Where when he came in, it's like, oh my goodness, we're like, what is what is this about? And he's come in, and over the past couple of games, he's also added a lot of value in that right wing back position, being the Bellerin spotter, you know. And as that backup, he's actually done very well. And I expect to see him start again at right wing back in this game, saying, give us that continuity. He loves to get up and down. It gives us some defensive solidity. I think Mikael likes the fact that when our left side goes up, Cedric can actually hang back on the right side and make it more like a back four. And that's dope to see, you know, especially when one of our central midfielders drops into the back line and gives us that room or the five, because then our left full back now moves into midfield. There's a lot of interchangeability within that team that is so beautiful to see, and it's a blessing all across the board, right? At left wing back, we'd love to see Ainsley get another goal at it because I feel last game against Dundalk, it was not his best game, and he's got a lot more in his locker. But I just feel like he was uninterested. And you can see right now, I think he's also... <laughs> there was that picture we tweeted with Gabriel leading the pack out. We're like, that's the mood for the day. And you can just see Ainsley in the background of that pick, not maybe looking all the way engaged like that. And I mean, that's just Ainsley's demeanor. He don't really be giving a fuck about nothing anyway, you know. So it's like one of those things where I think he'd love to be in the first team as in the team that is selected for the, you know what I'm saying, the Premier League games more consistently. Yet he knows that he has to pick up his socks as well. And he's got that within him to to do that and be self-motivated. So it's a type of game where you need Mandem to grab it by the scruff of the neck, even put in a couple challenges, you know, that get, get the team going. And Ainsley's right for that. So I'd love to see Ainsley get a game and a look in and solidify that, perform- that, that position at the very least. And you know what? I mean, there's times when Bukayo is not as good as he should be at left wing back, but you know they're not going to play Ainsley ahead of him because Ainsley hasn't been good either. So Ainsley can actually just go lock down that position while we're paying a back, a back three and then... Make it open for Bukayo to go compete up there with Pepe, where Pepe hasn't been great, William hasn't been great either. So it's open up there. You know, our attack hasn't been great across the board, hasn't been consistently great at the very least. There's games and moments of brilliance, and we haven't been consistently creating chances and taking them right where a guy like Ainsley, you lock this down, it actually unlocks our attack because you also being good in that left wing back position allows us to do a whole lot more. Mm. So Granite Jaka, I feel if we playing that you know, 3-4-3, three, having played centre-back last, you know, European, Europa League game, coming back into midfield might be the reward for him, you know, probably even skippering the squad out, saying, now you're probably more of a squad player, and we're going to need you to adjust to that, and it's not an easy adjustment for people to make, right, knowing that you were a first-team player at the time when he was captain of the football club, 
and now you're not guaranteed a game. Never mind even guaranteed a game in your rightful position. It's it's a lot to take, and he's done he's done well to transition as he's done with some games. We need him to play like a first team player, as in an established first team player who plays every single game. Although you know you're probably going to be out the squad next week, or whatever the case is, right? I think again, it's a lot more like David Luiz for me. Where I've, I've started to see Jacques as a transition player. Where when I look at our squad three, four seasons from now, and we're winning titles and competing for Club World Cup titles, you know, <laughs> by the grace of the Most High, I'm not seeing Jacques in that team per se, especially not as a starter. I'm seeing him more as a bench player or a player that maybe, you know, what 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 Alneni was at the start of the season, who a player who can play himself into a higher position in the squad, yet there's always players ahead of him in the packing order when everything is, you know, the same. So it's one of those things where you're looking at Xhaka saying, I like, I like the consistency he's actually brought to his game. Where he's been more consistent now that his position is not established and it's not secured than he was when his position was secured. And it just shows what competition does in the squad, right? It gets man them on their feet. And because we've been said for, for the past 10 years, these men are complacent. These men have no competition. These men have nothing pushing them to be better. And now they're being better. You know what I'm saying? So it's good to see. I would love to see Joe Willock start and be rewarded for that. And after, after the performance he had last week, right, and after hearing what Mikel had to say about him in the press conference, it made me think that this is a player that if we didn't have, per se, Xhaka on the books right now, if we had done the business for Partey early and not signed Ceballos on loan for another season, and Elneny doesn't come back but Gwendozi stays, Willock would be playing a lot of games. Willock would probably be a first-team regular next to Partey and Gwendouzi and Torreira, whatever that midfield would be, because he, like Miguel said, offers something totally different to what any of our other midfielders does. The verticality. He gets around the field. You know, we talked about that. He's like, he's a lot Bambi Dele Ali-like, where he can start in his own box and then end in the opposition box. And it's like, what? Where do you, how do you, wait? Why can't all these other guys do what you do? Isn't this a simple thing of running? But it's not a simple thing just running up the field. It's knowing which spaces to pick up. You know, he'll be in the right wing channel. He'll be in the left wing channel. He'll drop deep into midfield. He'll be in, you know, he'll, he'll pick up spaces and let him, let, let his ability to read the game come to the fore, right? That I'd like to see him start in that position. No, we don't have a natural number 10 in this formation. And Joe Willock can offer us so much of that. And he's a goal threat. So for me, starting Joe Willock in, in a central midfield next to Granit Xhaka gives us that ability to play where Xhaka can hang, be, can hang back and, and play from deeper quarterback in the play. Joe Willock can play more as a supporting striker, which I actually think that's his best role going forward, where you can envision that if he had literally popped up at, a, at another team, you know, like Barnsley somewhere, you know, and he was just an academy kid they had. They'd probably be playing Joe Willock as like a second striker there because there's no way this kid doesn't score 12 to 15 goals a season in all competitions playing regular football. There's no way. There's just too much about him. There's too much about him. And I think these type of games are perfect for us to see what we have so that he also knows when you bring him on in certain games as an impact player or you start him in certain games, you know what we want from Joe Willock. It's like, don't try to do what everybody else does. Do what you do. There's times when early on in his Arsenal career, I thought he was being samesies. You know what I'm saying? He was being like everybody else he was playing with in that midfield. If he was playing with the more technically gifted guys, he'd try to be so fancy-fancy. If he was playing with the more dynamic, direct guys, he'd just try to be dynamic, dynamic, run. You're like, nah, play your game. Because Joe Willock knows when to play the pass, when to hold on to the ball and make the run with the ball, when to play the pass and make the run off the ball to get back on the ball and take a shot. You know what I'm saying? So, 
want to see more of that want to see more of the kid being confident in doing those things as a result of being out there and knowing this is when i do this this is when i do that this is when i can do this, this is when i can do that and then bring it all together right because there's no way to hide no more joe willow bro we gotta see a performance king on the right side of midfield it's one of those where i literally i slept on it and i kept thinking to myself bro like here's the issue i have though with Mikel. Is now Pepe should have played against United, regardless of the result. Even if it means we had to draw the game, Pepe should play those games because he's our first team right wing forward right now on paper. If he's not, Bukayo Saka is the only other attacking player in our lineup who has a left foot that can play right wing inside forward. William is not naturally left footed. He can we can say he's MB and he can go both sides, but. He's not naturally left footed. Well, we saw the chance that came on his left foot that clipped the ball. That falls to Saka or Pepe. That's a goal. Some might argue that Saka hasn't had those chances, and that's my example in making this. It's my point. That if Saka gets that chance and clips the ball, I can live with it because I know next time he gets that chance, he's been training in practice for the past week, he will score it. Improvements. We need room for improvement because now in this game, I would need Bukayo Saka to start, but he can't start. Because Pepe didn't start last game. And Saka started last game at left wing for wing back. And I can't start Saka at left wing back because I need to get a game for Ainsley. There's the small things with Mikel where we're not going to chide him about it. We're going to say, you need to stick with it and be transparent. Like I said, we love your transparency. Maybe someone needs to ask him that. What is the Saka situation? Is he a fullback? Is he a utility player that slots in anywhere? Do we envision him playing as a right wing forward? Or even just say, you know what? Because, I mean, as fans, we've admitted it, that we bought Nicola Pepe at the time that Saka was coming into his own. And we got young Martinelli. Where if you had taken that money for Pepe and invested it elsewhere in a player who doesn't play on the wings, some people say, oh, we should have bought Zaha. Zaha would have blocked Martinelli still. If we had invested the money elsewhere, we would have got that. But we probably would have got a midfield at that time. Then we wouldn't get party. You see, so things happen for a reason. I sincerely feel that Saka's more of a central midfielder going forward, especially when we play a 4-3-3, that we should start grooming Pepe in this right wing inside forward position. And this is the perfect game where you would have been playing Saka out of his left midfield position to go play out wide right. But because he's playing left wing back, sliding into midfield casually, I mean, the kid doesn't seem to mind, but his performances are being affected. He doesn't get, he doesn't get as involved I mean, he gets involved, but doesn't get to do as much as he used to do before. Where there was chances against Man United where he could have cost us the game with his lack of final ball. Because he's just not as calm as he was last season. It's not coming to him as naturally as it did last season because there's so much on his mind now. And it's because we as fans are now talking about it way more than we should be having to talk about it. Where in his natural position, the kid would just assault. He'd get the ball, roll it under his foot, take one, two players, pass, shot, whatever it's got to be, right? So I think Mikel's got to sort that out. So for me, my final note on that, I say all that to say this, Nicola Pepe will start the game. Ideally, I will start Saka, but you can't start Saka knowing Pepe hasn't played two games in a row. And then you're probably going to need him against Aston Villa to unlock a, a team that's going to be sitting in a low block. So Pepe's going to have to play this game and play against Villa too. And now Mikel's going to have to start making smarter decisions when it comes to that position, especially that position on the right inside forward position. Because on the left side, I feel this should be a given. Until Martinelli comes back, if Uber's not starting, you can consider playing William. Otherwise, it has to be Reese Nelson. There was a game he played Aiden Kitts here, and I looked at the team sheet. I'm like, this man them's taking a piss, bro. 
you are taking the piss, bro. Like, we have players who are good in their natural positions. In their natural positions, they are star players. When you play them out of position, they start to maybe look, hmm. Reese was developed to be a right winger his whole career when he's coming up in academy. The game evolved. He's now having to play on the left side. He has now even evolved his game to play there. Where the first time we saw him play there, hmm, Vienne, ah, you're not so good. Come back, oh, now there's something there. Let's see more of the kid. You know, so this is the type of game where I start Reese Nelson and say, go for it, like, Diki. Give us the performance, because he's due a goal. For me, I think he's probably going to be due a hat-trick. Where out of all these kids, we spoke about it where homie mentioned was a man like Troops. And, like, listen, when you looked at it when these kids were coming up when they were about 15, he was the one. Reese Nelson was the one where you say, that's the can't miss prospect. Where if somebody had to say right now, you have these four, five, 15-year-old kids, and you have to keep one, who are you keeping? At that time, we all said Reese. That unpredictability, the ability to change the game in a moment. You know what I'm saying? To dribble past four or five players and score a goal or create a chance in tight game. Reese has all of that. Yet you know how those players are. We know how it is dealing with those players, having played like that as players, right? It's a confidence thing. If I'm not confident in my game, I can't do nowhere near that. If I'm confident in my game and what I'm doing and in those that I play with and my coach, then I can do way more than y'all have seen me do. I'm going to whip out something that I was only working in in the backyard. You know what I'm saying? Because now I'm confident in my game. And that would be that moment that wins us the game. You're like, yo, bro, when were you training on that? You're like, bro, I actually haven't even done that in front of people. I was just, you know what I'm saying? I always thought to myself, you know, a chance like this might come when I get the ball on my weaker side. How do I bring it back on my stronger side without giving it away? You know, it's just what it is. So I'd love to see Reese Nelson get a start. Down the middle is going to be one of those things where, <laughs> like it was the conversation we're having on the timeline now, saying, my goodness, bro. Again, a, a downside of where we are now as a club, right, where Uber should be our number one, number nine, knowing that we're having to choose between Eddie and Katie and Fuller and Balugan in this game. The fact that Lacazette is still in the squad and he played against United and he, play, and he played well, you know, we can't, we can't take that away from the man he did the best he could within the situation where he doesn't have too much confidence in front of goal there's not too much confidence in us as a squad when it comes to his goal scoring ability his hold-up play hasn't been as good as it's been traditionally the ball is bouncing off him you know giving away a lot of needless fouls as well so it's, it's a bit exasperating right now the situation with Lacazette and it's one of those things where this would be the perfect game where if you knew Lacazette was going to be here long term as our number nine and you want to build up his confidence again you play him if you know that you definitely want to sell Lacazette in January and there's been not many offers, you play him in this game to get his market value up. When you're in the position we are in where you say, listen, we're probably not going to be able to sell him in January, but we can't stunt the development of some of these kids to play him in January knowing in the summer he's going to be gone. Whatever happens will take a loss and we'll, we'll make it work. Then you have to now look at it and say, Balugan and Eddie have to get a look in this game. And on the pecking order, it's Eddie over Balugan, although... For me, Balugan is the more natural goal scorer. Where Eddie's record is very good at youth level, yet he's more of a support striker. Where ideally, I'd play 4 for 2 and play them together. And Balugan is literally my go-make-it-happen. I feel he's got more about him on the ball than Eddie. And then Eddie's the poacher. You know, literally one of those things where I have the center forward and the poacher. It's two different archetypes of player, and you play differently around both of them, right? So it's one of those things where I would start Eddie and Kitty in this game saying, I probably could use more of the poacher. You know, knowing that Pepe, Nelson, Willock, Ainsley, Suarez, I'll get chances. I need somebody to put them away. And Eddie's also do a few goals. And we're like, okay, if, if Reese is do a hat trick, like, 
I don't know what a hat trick will do for Eden Ketia, but I know tell me we saw the little clip of Haaland and his girlfriends, i.e. the match balls and how he's not getting on to take home. But I'd love to see Eddie take home a few girlfriends from the game, you know, because he's got that about him where he gets chances. He gets chances. And it's one of those things where you can see if this kid starts to put together runs of games where he can score one, two, hat trick's going to be easy for him. He's literally, when I watch him play, we grew up watching guys like Filippo Nzaghi, right? And people in Zaghi, every time a coach will tell you, like, watch people and how he waits for the ball to ricochet. He can see the shot coming and then he'll wait for the keeper to bounce. Like, keeper's not going to hold the shot. <laughs> like, people will go for that. Keeper, you're not holding the shot. I'm going to get it as soon as it bounces off from me. Coaches will tell us, you guaranteed one goal a game if you just have that awareness in the box. You have that awareness in the box, you guaranteed one goal a game. And they will teach you, well, have a finish that is standard for you. You know, like the Henri finish at the time when we were growing up, where you can be, you know what I'm saying, left inside of the box, on the right inside of the box if you're defending, and the ball comes to you on your right foot, roll it one time, and curl it. Now you got two goals in a game. If you're lucky enough, your team wins a penalty, you're guaranteed a hat-trick in a game, more often than not, every two, second, third game. You're, you're a golden ball, you're a golden boot type of player is what I'm trying to say. And Eddie's that type of striker where he doesn't have to score the flashiest of goals. He doesn't have to score the most memorable of goals. Michael Owen, to me, his most memorable goal for some people was a game freaking ran past. Was it, who was in our back line at the time? Was it Tony Adams? And he scores that goal for Liverpool. And you hear the commentator. He's won the FA Cup for Liverpool all by himself. And it's that. It's, it's a classic goal because of the moment. When you look at the goal itself, he just ran and finished. You know what I'm saying? It's Jamie Vardy-esque. They're not the most memorable goals when you score those that many, but they become memorable when you score them when they really matter at the highest level. You become a great goal scorer and not just a scorer of great goals. You know, so it's like, I think Eddie has that in him and I would love to see him get a run out in a game where he can start to showcase that about him. You know, where he can be like, listen, I can get the early goal because right now that's what we need. We need literally a guy who comes to the game saying, I know we're going to get chances in the first 15. My job is to be ice cold and convert that chance. That opens up everything for Arsenal because our position has to attack us. We already have the ascendancy. It's game over for me personally. I do feel that's going to be the blueprint. That is the blueprint Miguel is building under, but he wants to build it properly. He doesn't want it to just be a thing where we force it because when you force it, it's not going to be sustainable long term. Now the guys are learning. Well, you can see that anxiety about them when they start scoring early. Like, shit, guys, we're getting chances. We're getting chances. It's designed to, for them to get chances. And now they're not anxious into the second half as it wears on and they haven't scored yet. Like, now nah, we'll get chance because everything. Now they realize as time wears on, the quality of the chance improves. Where early on in the game, sometimes they might get one or two quality chances, then they'll dry up because the defense will see it and read it and start to adjust accordingly. Then you get some half chances, some half chances. As it wears on in the second half, where the opposition realize they have to attack you, you get some quality looks, bro. And it's those quality looks that you can turn into something else. And I think now, as a squad, we're starting to grow with confidence, saying we can get that early goal, especially when we have a, a couple guys who come in with that mindset at the start of the game. So in this game, I know Pepe is under pressure. He's got a fire bottom where if I'm Pepe, bro, I'm coming into this game and I want to score me a brace before halftime and tell coach, take me off. I don't even want to get the hat-trick. I'll get, I'll get a hat-trick against Villa. That's how confident I want you to be in your game. Same thing for Reese, But for Eddie, most importantly, I want him to be that confident. Saying, you know what? Here's a chance for me to stake my claim saying, Laka's not getting goals. And the hold-up play hasn't been great. They're only playing Laka ahead of Eddie because of name right now, I feel. And so if you're Eddie, getting yourself a couple of goals, especially in this European ties, is going to do wonders for you. So you got yourself one already. I think the type of game where you get one, two, 
get three maybe, you are in contention to start against Villa, bro. And you know how it goes, bro. Get a couple good games for national team. I mean, for club level, you in the national team for England, bro. So, I mean, if I'm Eddie, I'm like, bro, I've seen a couple of the homies get a couple call-ups. Dog, I'm next. Because, I mean, once Emil Smith-Rowe gets fit, you know he's going to get a call-up. They don't have too many creative midfielders in England who can do what he can do. So, it's what it is. You know, and that's one play I would have loved to see in this game. But competition is tough for places going forward. And I think even in just this formation, it's so limiting, you know. It's like one of those things you feel for football coaches where if you don't have versatile players, it's like it's tough. When a guy can only play one or two positions, it's tough. When I'm down a position in midfield where I normally could play three and I couldn't get adventurous and I can even get more out of my squad and it would justify why I picked you, whatever the case may be. So I'm excited, bro. I'm excited for that with the lineup being what it is. You know we have nine subs in the Europa League, so I don't know what Vengito... I, mean, I say Vengito. I miss Venga so much sometimes, bro. Shout out to... I think it's because he dropped his book recently, and I'm starting to go through it, and I'm seeing him all over the place, and I'm like, I got so mad at him towards the end of his reign that I realized only after he was truly gone and out of my system how much I really love the man and appreciate the man because he's made us who we are as a football club to be in this position to have signed Mikel Arteta as a player when we didn't believe in Mikel as a player and look what Mikel is becoming for us as a coach those are the type of things we can't sleep on you know as a fan base so yeah this is a little segue shout out to him <laughs> but we know Arteta likes to pick or rather recently in the last game he was picking two goalkeepers on the bench in the nine but now he started to go I think sometimes with an extra player because you realize, okay, I can pick a young goalkeeper and give him the experience of being out here yet. Either put him on the bench as the backup goalkeeper and give him the full experience where he even has a little bit of pressure. Although it's not too much pressure thinking, okay, the keeper might get injured. Then put him on there and then he's the ninth, he's the ninth guy on the bench, right? So in this game... I will go with Leno on the bench saying hi and Mainzi. I don't know what value would be for them being on the bench. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, there's another goalkeeper next to you. Um, Bellerin, if Chambers is not back to full fitness. Gabriel back. For me, Tierney, I would put on the bench just in case. You know, you don't know what happens on the left side unless you're not playing Saka. And then you can put Saka on the bench there and actually rest Tierney for a game like this. El Nene, I'd put on the bench because I would like to rest Partey fully from the squad in a game like this. So that smith Rowe can get a look in. If Pepe's starting then and Bukayo's on a backup left back, you can play Willian. I wouldn't like to see Laka or Uber in the game like this. So Balugan and Sabayos would run off the bench for me and say, go all the way in rest your key guys and say against Villa we're going all the way in but we want to be able to guarantee that if we play Thursday Sunday Thursday Sunday we can actually guarantee win 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 you know right now we went in that run we only lost against Leicester we've got two Thursday wins we've got one Sunday win one Sunday loss let's go get ourselves another Thursday win so we can come back with another Sunday win and keep this momentum going, right? It's not easy playing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, but we make it do what it do and we grow to to earn the right to be able to play on a Tuesday or Wednesday, on a Saturday, you know what I'm saying? On a Friday, whatever the case is, we earn the right to do that. So let's grow, let's grow and, and get back to that level. I'm predicting a 5-2 Arsenal win because that's about the average that <laughs> Norwegian sides give away. Against Arsenal, you know, it's about five games, five goals scored for the English team. And the Norwegian team normally scores one-ish maybe every four or five games. So I think it's the type of game where they will give a goal and give an account to themselves. And I think they deserve to be rewarded as more than maybe a goal or two. Not that I want us to break out. Def- I mean, I'd love for Rune, no lie, I'd love for Rune to keep a clean sheet because that would do wonders for his confidence. But with the defense we're putting out there, 
I mean, we kind of do deserve to concede one goal just to keep us humble. You know what I'm saying? Like, because if Sayad, Mustafi, and Louise keep a clean sheet with Runison in there, we might get too proud in our back line. And, you know, pride cometh before the fall. So let's just keep it in check right there. You know what I'm saying? Real talk. We've gone for a 5 2 Arsenal win. I'd love to see someone like Pepe get on the score sheet. Couple goals for Eddie if he can. Willock, Nelson. Let's get that going, bro. Let's get these young kids going. Let's get the, 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 the momentum going. I'd love to see Ainsley get a freaking goal. I don't know. It just came to mind now as I think of it saying he needs something to get him going. I don't know what it's going to be. You know, With Ainsley, you know it can be the smallest of things. It can be a freaking tackle that gets everybody on the field going. And he'll be like, yeah, oh, y'all, y'all do think I'm nice. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it is, but Ainsley is just one of those things sometimes where the confidence is, is there in himself, yet outwardly it's not projected like that, where it makes it easier for you to start to look at other things and be like, okay, the performance is not there because the confidence is not there. But the confidence is there. The performance is not there as a result of other things. You know, Right now, I think it's a bit situational. It's a bit positional. And it's one of those, you know, where he's thinking about, I could be playing regular football at Wolves and not be in the England team. I could be at Man United and maybe even get the England team and play regular football, but be hated by Arsenal fans where that's his home, you know. So it's one of those things where a lot's going on with the Mandem as a result of what he went through in the offseason. And we need to respect that as a fan base, right? We can't be too hard on them on the, on the young man. So going into it, I want to see a confident performance from our side. I'd like to see Mikel Artekas continue in his confidence within the squad and say, you know what, he said as well in his, press, in his, in his pre-match press conference, right, that his job is to bring confidence to the guys, right, to inspire them. He just plays a role. He's not the, the end-all and be-all as to why we're going to be successful, why we're already starting to attain a level of success, right? He plays a role. He's a, he's a key part in the cog, yet the players are the reason. The players are the ones who go out there and give the performance every single week, right? And we're starting to see a level of performances that says to us we can take pride in what we're seeing. And that only bodes well for the future, you know. So for us as Arsenal fans, we, we go into this game against Molda very confident, you know, knowing that, hey man, we're not, we're not trying to be the first English team to lose against Norwegian opposition. And we're trying to keep our own run of form going against Norwegian team. So we're going to go into it confidently, you know. We're going to go into it confidently. We're going to go into it thinking, why not us? Why not this woman for us to turn it around, you know? Because some of our hard ties are over. Like, knowing that we have Spurs in a in a run of games that are winnable, where regardless of what happens in that game, we can make up for it. So even if it's a draw against Spurs, Lord forbid, we can make up for that by winning these Villa games and all these other games in between, right? So, across the board, man, we're confident going into it. I pray that y'all enjoy the game, tune into the game. Let's go into it with confidence as a squad and let's come out of it with a positive result because that puts the tie or rather the group in our hands at the end of this tie, right? Knowing that our next Europa game is against Molder, right? End of November, I think it's about closer to the 28th, 29th that week. So it's one of those things where now we can look at it and say, you know what, this game will secure it for us. Molder still have to play VN and they still have to play Dundalk. So this group, I think, in a sense, is going to be wider than most people realize where you could see a couple teams on six points and then the team that wins it winning it all the way on 12 or something. It's going to be one of those. And for us, I'd love to see us be the team that wins it on that 12, you know. So let's go in. Let's go handle our business, get the result. And then from there, man, we can look forward to, to the Aston Villa game with a degree of optimism and we'll preview that going into it. You know, um, we'll decompress this game tomorrow, just, you know, take stock of everything that's happened, have a little maybe 
surprise feature that we're doing tomorrow as well with the post with the post match recap you know what i'm saying we'll be doing a top five so looking at some top five players and some positions in these games where especially with the international break coming up we have some downtime to start looking at some evergreen content so we're going to be sharing that with y'all um y'all can tweet us as well what you'd like to see we're going to be doing a top five arsenal player in every position from the time we started watching arsenal to now so <laughs> this is going to be a journey like that so we pray y'all enjoy that but aside from that, man, I think we've reached our time limit. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this journey. Again, we appreciate all your comments. We appreciate you liking, subscribing, your downloads, your plays, man. Everything, just the energy you send us, man. It's, it's I can't quantify into words what it means. We thank you so much. So this has been When Highbury Was Home, a Loud Booth podcast presentation. I am your host, True Story. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on all DSPs where you consume your digital media content. And yeah, man, we'll hit y'all up during the game, preferably if we can. Otherwise, we'll hit y'all up after the game. Go through it with y'all. You know what I'm saying? Just enjoy the vibes, man. Otherwise, man, you know how it goes. Come on, you gooners. <laughs>